You need hangers? No, I got hangers. I know you got that diamond <laughs> hookup. I was going to say I have hangers at home with me more. So. What the fuck? No, I... <laughs> well, hello there, Josh. Good day. Uh-huh. I'm just trying to help a brother out, you know? Why do you have so many hangers, Josh, that you can give them away? I bought a bunch of my Kia. <laughs> they so had this funny. like crazy deal where they were like, it was like, I'm not sure how many they gave, but it was like a bunch for like $2 each. So we bought like $20 worth and we just had hundreds. It was too much. That's that's like 10 hangers that you just described, dude. <laughs> nah, I don't know how much it was. It was like 20 or 30, I think, for like two bucks. Two bucks? Three bucks oh, I, I don't know what it was. It was cheap. Yeah. Long time. Nah. I know. Every morning, my routine is wake up in the morning, check my email, and then go to ikea.ca and check if the product's in stock. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Hoops Corner. I'm your host, Peter Tran, and on the line, the Iceman himself, straight back from trick-or-treating. Josh Cohen, how you doing? Uh, Doing quite well. I have a full bag of chocolate now, so I'm very happy. Very nice. A bag that you didn't have to pay for. Absolutely. <laughs> I only had to spend about 30 minutes around the block, and I got a nice full bag. So thank you, new, you know, newly, uh, I guess you could say, a uh, new Halloween tradition now for Dang. us and our daughter. So it's, it's nice. There you go. That's a good ROI right there. The banger in the paint, our residential medical expert, Rajan Walia. Were you handing out candy? Be real. I was I was probably eating more candy than I was handing out, but uh <laughs> what you got? What I you was, got? Was, yeah, I got everything. Got chips, chocolate, and I was thinking about it. As a kid, I loved getting chips just because like the volume was big. But mm-hmm. now I'm thinking about it. Chocolate was more of a a luxury because then you could fit more in your bag, right? So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's about whatever it's, got you to school well. Yeah, exactly, and uh, like it's, it's, I'm still debating chips or chocolate. Like that's the debate I'm having right now. Okay, internal debate. Quickly, top three Halloween chocolate. Coffee crisp. Okay, number one by far. Coffee crisp is up there for sure. I'm not sure about number one. I put Reese Buttercups. Oh, I agree. Very nice. Those are like, like few and far between, though. Like nobody ever gives those out. They give away like the small ones that are not really the peanut butter cups. Yeah, yeah. they give the single. Bars. No, yeah, they, they used to have the singles single. when we were younger. Now it's like the little yeah. like M M&M and M shaped ones, right? But when yeah, we were younger, yeah. it was like the single cups. Yeah, and then I it's weird, but I don't know why. But these are rare. But the crunch, the small crunch bars. Oh yes, deep yes. pull. I like it. Oh, I used yeah, to yeah. Like those. Nestle... I used to get the big ones. I used to buy them throughout the year. Oh man, yeah, so those good. are sick. Also, Ooh. the cookies and cream ones are the best, by the way. Oh yeah. They're Both. good, but I can't have too many of those. That's the thing. Oh, you can I only can. have like a few of those. That's like the only white chocolate that I'll eat. Pause. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Jason Williams, right? NBA, <laughs> NBA podcast. Oh, man. Also, low-key, when I was older, like in high school, having lollipops were great because then I could just eat them in Ew. class. I would eat oh, them in class. Fuck and that. then like I would <laughs> I would like suck on it like Razor Ramon with the toothpick. And <laughs> like walking around like flicking them at people. Such a dirtbag, but it was great. Did you also you, walk you, up to people and say, hey, Chico? Yes. 100% <laughs> I did with a fake Cuban accent. I was all there, man. <laughs> oh I embraced my, my fake pull, Scarface. Did you pull out your dentures and have some Werther's originals as well? <laughs> no, but uh, Loki, caramel cubes when I was a kid, I liked them. 
Oh my god, Peter. Like, yeah, that was, that was disgusting, man. Anything you can get your hands on. <laughs> yeah. Give there me a bag of Doritos. That's all I needed. Oof. Just just like our our boy Ben out there, man. Just <laughs> <his> Doritos. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now that we're done talking about Halloween, that was a good three minutes, man. That was a lot of candy talk. We're going straight into the NBA. We're talking about teams that we might be a little bit worried about, you know, and I want to talk with a little bit of home home cooking right now. Although they're up, so we're recording on Halloween night, they're up on the Hawks by a significant margin right now. But the Raptors, this year, guys, they're looking a little shaky, Josh. I know you were really high on them and all coming into the year, but aside from Pascal being easily a top 15 player at this point with like a week and a half, two weeks in, I mean, I'm not really sure what else there is to, to look at the Raptors highly upon. You know what I mean? Like, they're still giving up threes like like they always have somehow with this length and athleticism on the team. I thought that their defense would be a little bit tighter on that end. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me is looking at their schedule. They've played a lot of playoff teams. I mean, the only team they could say is maybe not a playoff team is Brooklyn. And, you know, they lost to Brooklyn in a, in a fashion that, you know, you're going to lose to Brooklyn that night because both guys just went off in the fourth quarter. Like, there was no offense. It's just like, give the ball to KD, give the ball to Kyrie, let them go. The Raptors should have won that game, but those guys got super hot at the end. And then they played Cleveland, Miami twice, and the Sixers twice, and now Atlanta tonight. So, in watching them, am I worried? No, not really. I think their defense has been pretty good so far overall. Besides the Philadelphia game where Embiid didn't play, yeah, yeah hold on. Just... Maybe that's maybe that's what I want to focus on. How the hell do you not put more attention on the Tyrese Maxey after he goes like nine for nine from the field in the first half? I mean, that's the thing, right? Like the Raptors' defense plays a certain way, and Nick Nurse does adjust throughout the season. But that specific game, because Maxey's not like really an on-ball guy. Even in that game, like most of his shots came off of uh, catch and shoot, right? Or maybe like a one dribble where he just had a guy out of position because the Raptors defense flies all over the place and the Raptors just never change it up. It was it was weird to watch. Like it's disappointing too because Maxi always kills us. So you think they have some sort of game plan going into it. Harden at twelve points that night. So that was disappointing to see, honestly, but overall, like their defense has been pretty good. Their offense has been as expected where some nights they hit a lot of threes and some nights they can't, you know, <laughs> whatever expression you want to come up with, they can't hit the broad side of the barn, but they get offensive rebounds. And it's just interesting to watch because they play a different kind of style than everyone else. Yeah, like I, I think I'm more concerned about the offensive side of, of the ball for the Raptors. I think they rank third in isolation offense or running isolation plays. And on those possessions, they're bottom five in the league uh, for points per possession. And again, if they don't, they don't really have a, a lot of strong playmakers on the offensive side of the ball in terms of players that can facilitate the offense. Obviously, I think they're hoping for Scotty Barnes to take that step, help have more of a play a point guard role. Um, but I think really missing a player like Kyle Lowry, obviously we're going to get to the heat and how washed he is. But um, I, I think they need another playmaker um, and someone who can help put other players in positions to score. Because 
like ISO offense can only get you so far and they can't rely on that um, throughout the year. And if they're shooting well, they'll be winning games. If they're not shooting well, they'll obviously be losing, but uh, they need a bit more variety in their offense. Is there someone on the market that you could actually go for right now, though? With Like, look at the teams that are inevitably going to try to sell their guys, right? You're looking at teams like Utah, even though they've started off strong. San Antonio, same thing. Uh, Orlando, if they have anything that's worth trading. Yeah. The, the problem with the Raptors, too, is they play such a unique style. They need a defensive point guard or a guard that can hold his own defensively. And still facilitate a lot on offense. And those guards are hard to come by. Um, Mike Connolly is probably the name that would possibly come up. But he's kind of been on the decline um, really for the last couple of years in Utah. And he is a piece that might end up leaving Utah. And if the Raptors can get him for some cash, maybe a second round draft pick, that might be another player just to help their offense. Uh, and he is a... Uh, an okay defender now, not the uh, the old grit and uh, grind Grizzlies, Mike Connolly, but I think he's a name or a player like that stature. Yeah, the player you described is basically Drew Holiday, <laughs> and there's not many Drew Holidays <laughs> in the league, so I, I wouldn't even bother with Connolly because you'd have to match salary and you'd have to give away at least a few of your rotation guys to get him, and I don't know, having a backup guard like that off the bench that costs $24 million doesn't really appeal to me. And honestly, the Raptors are like they're sort of stuck in between, right? They're not really they're sort of like a development team, but they're not really a contending team either. So in the right matchups, they could win a round or two, which would be great. But ultimately, the guy you're really describing is Scotty Barnes. And this year they should be getting him as many reps as possible on the ball. Even tonight with Van Vliet out, they're starting with a point guard. He should be playing on the ball even when Van Vliet is in the game. And Van Vliet has given away a lot of his um, point guard roles, uh, or duties, I should say. Um, in the first couple games of the year, he's given the ball to Pascal and Scotty to, or especially Pascal, to um, you know start the offense and be more of a spot-up guy, which I think is best for their long-term plans. And he fits perfectly like that, like he showed in the championship run. So I think it's just a matter of like Scotty turning into like a 20-point-per-game guy. May not be this year, hopefully next year. And then you're going to see this team really take off. Yeah, the, the other name that I would obviously, I don't want to say best case scenario, but SGA, he probably has to be on the Raptors' radar in some capacity. I know we toyed with the idea in the offseason. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's one thing. More on the offensive side of the ball, I agree. Like They've had a rough schedule. Defensively, they've been okay. Um, obviously not against Tyrese Maxey, but otherwise, I, I think the Raptors on the offensive side of the ball more playmaking, more ball uh, distribution, and uh, eventually I think they'll end up making a move for a player or giving uh, Scotty Barnes a bit more of a role. But th- they're capped at like top six seed, like maybe six seed in the East and probably a first or second round exit. I mean, that's not bad. That pretty much answers my question of, of us needing to be worried or not. Because I wouldn't expect the Raptors to be any like that much better than like a five- four seed tops in the East, right? Even with this like length and athleticism that they're experimenting with. I love that everyone, every Raptors fan is like putting out SGA as like the, the guy that you want to target. The, the guy that Masai obviously has his eyes on. SGA is averaging like high twenties and points this year. Has played in every game. Isn't actually tanking. Like we expected OKC to be tanking with him. So, you know, they're actually putting an effort to win. 
that's coming. They're not putting in effort to win. They're just accidentally winning. <laughs> I mean, the players are putting in are putting in effort, and the coaching staff, man. Don't forget our bo- about our boy Mark Daniel. Or I mean, Dagnall. so far he's shown to be a pretty good coach. <laughs> like they're actually a pretty decent defense, and uh, they're still tanking though. Like Giddy sat out like at least half the game so far. Yeah, they're just gonna rotate Giddy and SGA who sits. Seems like it. Kind of like uh, Kawhi and everyone else on the Clippers roster. Oh, let's. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that later. <sighs> <laughs> That's just. Wait, you don't want to jump to Kawhi now, sitting uh, half the games already for the Clippers in this lengthy six games of a season so far? More than that. It's not, yeah, but... not entertaining enough. Yeah, but isn't it unexpected? Like, again, it's the regular season in the NBA doesn't matter all that much for teams whose actual aspirations are to win the NBA finals. No, for that's, teams that no are, I disagree. Oh I my disagree. Okay, let, let's let's go at it. Like I, I I'm sick and tired of people thinking the NBA regular season matters. It really doesn't. As long what? as you come talk to the no 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 talk to the past like four teams that have won a championship. You're looking at the Warriors who have had the core forever. The Milwaukee yeah. Bucks, who don't sit games, like Giannis would play 82 if they if he could. He plays like 80 instead, or 75. Who won the year before that? The Lakers yeah. in the bubble? Yeah, eh. I thought the bubble doesn't Fine. count. But sure. Fine. The Raptors had their core for that for that strong year, other than bringing Kawhi. And Kawhi is but like... Kawhi was, Kawhi was, was the, resting a lot. Yeah, during but, they had their, but they still had their core together at that point. Yeah, and, and, and I think the the key thing I'm getting at is, would you rather be number one seed and have a substantially higher risk of having a player injured? Or would you rather be the number, like a player like Kawhi, a starter, top five player in the NBA when healthy? Or would you rather be the four seed and have him at full health or have a higher chance of him being at full health? I think the choice is obvious for teams that have actual aspirations to make it. Now, if we're talking about teams like the Bulls, um, teams like like Washington, um, even the Timberwolves, I, I don't think that applies because I don't think their goal realistically is, oh, we're, we're so worried about a player's health that we have to rest because that may make a difference in the long run. But like the Miami Heat are doing it with Jimmy Butler – um eventually you're gonna see that happen with kevin durant as he ages like it's just inevitable like uh teams that have the best players know that coming forth doesn't make a big difference as long as their players have a higher chance of being healthy for the playoffs the regular season matters for two things for contending teams and that's continuity and I mean, continuity is the biggest thing, honestly, because the Clippers have had none the last, how long they've had these guys for? Like four years four, now? This is their fourth year. Yeah. And they're going to play like how many games together this year, maybe? Like the, the lineup that we saw on day one or game two, I'm not sure which game they played all together. I think it was two. Yeah. 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 Like we're going to see that lineup again in the regular season. Like you can't win in the playoffs when these guys just don't play together. That just doesn't make any sense. Like the best teams in the playoffs have that continuity. And the second thing is home court advantage, right? Like, even if you don't have, you know, home court advantage throughout the playoffs, you got to at least be, like, in the top four seeds because it's really hard to win on the row three series in a row or four series in a row. Yeah, no, and, and I'm, I'm not saying that they should come eighth and do that. And I think what most teams would 
be doing if like put yourself in Tyron Lue's or um, like uh, the Clippers management situation. It's early in the season. We're less than seven or eight games in. We're like six games in mostly. You rather be hitting your stride by game 60 than be burning all your gas by game 25, 30 and then risk an injury where he might come back a week before the playoffs. Like I, I think I think Kawhi will play more and more frequently as the season progresses and we'll have more of those lineups closer towards like February, March, April. And that's when you have to be playing your best basketball. Yeah. In this case, I don't agree because I just don't see that happening at this point. Like Kawhi is going to sit out the next three games as well. So he's played in what, two out of the next or a total of nine games, right? To start the seasons. And so far he's had knee soreness, which is not a good sign. And this team without him is not winning. So this team is going to be in the play-in in your scenario if this continues. Yeah, that that was a major difference with the Raptors teams because the Raptors were still winning without Kawhi. Yeah, and and winning is important and and getting those results. But I I, I think the the concern is always about his health because you can't they they're not a title contender without Kawhi. Like that's just the reality. So it doesn't matter. It's like you need Kawhi in the playoffs, and if you don't have him, it's it's not useless. But your chances of really going further are kind of nil. Um, so I, I, I think they're doing the right thing. And I, and again, the knee soreness, you expect that he's coming back to a regular season after a year off. They have to write something on the injury report. And he probably has <laughs> knee soreness. But if this was game one of the NBA Finals tomorrow, I'm pretty confident that he would play. I don't know. Based on the reports with what's happening with his knee, I don't think he would play, honestly. But yeah, I, I, I don't buy into it. <laughs> No, of the finals, I think he would, but first round. I'm sure, sure, but the playoffs, probably not, because, yeah. you know, when yeah, you have soreness like that and finals. Kawhi's record of not playing in games, like the one thing we haven't really talked about is like this Clippers roster is nowhere near as good as the Raptors roster in the championship year. Like everyone acts as if like, oh, they have like 13 really good players, and yet without Kawhi, they have won, what, like two games out of the six they've played so far, if that? That's correct. Yeah, they're... Yeah, like yeah, they lost to OKC twice. They suck. <laughs> the issue with this team is there's there's a lot of just like guys thinking that they're better than they actually are, or thinking that they're they can just turn it on instantly, right? Like they have a winner's mentality without having won anything yet. If you look at anyone on this team other than Kawhi and like obviously Norm Powell or Boy, there's no real championship pedigree here, right? Marcus Morris got to the, what, Eastern Conference Finals with Boston. That's it. Yeah. Nicholas Batum has been around forever, hasn't really gone anywhere. Robert Covington, been around for a long time, hasn't really advanced that far in the playoffs. That's pretty much it, right? John Wall obviously never made it out of the first round with Washington. Well, well, relax, relax. They won a round. Yeah, they beat the Raps. Oh, my, my bad, my bad. That's my fault, my fault. Paul Pierce called game. Bank, whatever it's called. <laughs> That's my fault. But that, yeah, you know what I mean, though, right? Like with the Raptors, at least there was that constant hunger behind that team. Whereas with this team, they just seem like, you know, excuse me for like using an old phrase, but like too cool for school. 
They're too chill. They are. And then that is, I think, the bigger concern about them than Kawhi sitting games. Like, I think they're doing the right thing with the management. And I I do expect them to turn it around. Will they end up being a like a top two seed in the, uh, in the West? No. I really don't think so. I don't think they value the... Will they become a top four? I think that's their goal. To have home court advantage at least for the first round. And uh, we'll see. I, again, it's too hard to judge them without Kawhi and a bigger sample size. Yeah, but that's um, the point. He never plays. Yeah, yeah. And, and but I, I expect him to start playing a little more. Like I would give him, I I would judge the Clippers after game twenty before game six. I bet you he doesn't even play in more than you know, what are they uh, six games in now? So in the yeah. next fourteen games, over under he plays four games. I I take the over. Under. Yeah. I, yeah, would, take I would hope for the I'd over, play. but damn. I think he played five or six. Like so, half of the games after the three games he misses. So the game is, or the season's 82 games. How many games do we expect Kawhi Dash to play in? Like, uh, 35. Over of like, what? 35. 35? My God. I, Less I would, than half I would the games. Take, I would take over, but not by much. I but would dude, say my numbers close to four. They're not going to make the playoffs then. So you don't expect him to play more than half the games this year? In the, no, in the regular I, season? I, no, I, I think after Christmas he'll play in more than half. But up till Ooh. Christmas it's going to be like one and three. And that will ruin the average. Damn, man. Less like 40, than 40 total. Yeah, I less think than half it's the almost games? Half. That means without Kawhi, LA is going to get... Like a six, seven seed max. If they keep I was playing like this, say, like, this is like real if, concern. In our hot take segment from last week, I think it was last week, right? Time was just mm-hmm. flying by. Mm-hmm. One of us should have predicted that the Clippers are going to be in the playing game or not make the playoffs. Period. Because I predicted before the season started that they were not going to be a top four seed because it just didn't make any sense with the other teams that are trying to win in the regular season and with what they're trying to do with their load management nonsense. And honestly, in the next CBA, I hope that uh, the reports recently are true and that the NBA is really trying to incentivize the top players to play in more games because, uh, yeah, it, I hope the league doesn't go down this path with all the teams, which a lot of them are doing this right now. And it just it's bullshit, honestly, like with fans that are trying to go to the games and seeing like game time decision with all these players and the players bowing out 30 minutes before the game starts and you've already bought tickets like it's such nonsense yeah i i think uh the issue and again maybe for a different pod but with there even talks about getting a salary cap and getting the players to agree to that and yeah it's not but i think the mb yeah but i think the nba is also going to look down the road and see that hey our players are obviously the product but there's going to be less money going to the owner's hands and ultimately owners pay the players and I, th- I, th- I actually think that they're doing the right thing for the longevity of the game. I think the players now with their salaries and there's players like Timothy Mozgov that are, yeah, that are getting uh, like huge contracts. And, and I, I think they probably will change the structure of cro- contracts or they're kind of scaring them with the salary cap threat just to throw in a minimum games played um in terms of contract and then your contract gets broken down by a number of games played if you're resting for different reasons because ultimately it's ruining the product like 
if you're watching a, a nationally televised game and Kawhi is sitting, um, let's say Jaws sitting in the future, Chris Paul, it, it just ruins the the anticipation for the game. That's nice of you to think Chris Paul will be around in the future. <laughs> Give him another like three weeks. <laughs> Ouch, man. And, and yet he'll still play more than Kawhi. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it, man. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad you're optimistic about this team, Raj, because one of us needs to be, because I'm far from optimistic. I'm officially <laughs> out on them. I predicted they'd be the champions like two years ago, and now with what I've seen and how they handle this whole situation, and nobody's stepping up when Kawhi's gone either. Like The biggest thing with Toronto during the regular season that year, when they had Kawhi, was when he sat out, just like Memphis with Ja, they won a ton of games. They won a very mm-hmm. high percentage of their games, and guys stepped up. And so far in the games that Kawhi sat out, name one guy that stepped up besides uh, Zubach. Nobody. Norman. Norman sucks so far. Norman's been great. What are you talking? Look at his stat. No. He's shooting like 35% from the field. Yeah, he's been shooting horrible, but I, other than his shooting, he's been okay. Yeah, he doesn't need to shoot No, he hasn't. Percentage. He's averaging like two, two rebounds and two assists a game. What are we talking about? Okay, he's shooting 39% from the field. He's Ooh. averaging 11 points Ooh. and uh, three rebounds. Wow. <laughs> what did he average last year? Like 16? Hey, man, he needs to look good. <laughs> Not this I year. test works. <laughs> the I test, test got me, Josh. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a victim of the eye test. Hey guys, let's move on. Uh, let's go to South Beach because this is a team that just a few years ago went to the NBA Finals, uh, gave Tyler Hero a fat contract this summer. I mean, he's Josh, he's making Jordan Poole money. That's how fat it is. It's, might be bigger than Kyle Lowry's fat ass. But... Yeah. Uh, like moderately comparable to Kyle Lowry's fat ass. Mm, no, no. Not yeah, you're right. Kyle, I don't know how, but Kyle Lowry, man, he's looking might be even fatter than he was in Toronto at some points. What happened to Skinny I, Lowry? I think the Damian Lillard contract is more in comparison to uh, Lowry's fat ass. It's more gargantuan. Mmm, gargantuan's a nice, nice description of Kyle Lowry's tush. Yes, it belongs in South Beach. But nonetheless, man, these this Miami Heat team is two and five. They are near the bottom of the conference somehow. And Josh, you chose them as your team that you like, good team that you just refused to watch this year. And I understand why. Their offense is slow. There's not much movement. They really rely on Tyler Hero ISO ball a lot, and it's it's troubling to watch, man. Like Bam looks a little bit slow. Jimmy Butler looks a little bit slow. Kyle Lowry for the first like it takes Kyle Lowry Kyle Lowry half a game just to get like into game shape from what it looks like everything just looks a little bit slow with this team and you would think for a team with the like, heat culture and having their uh, BMI measured so carefully they'd be in better shape but this just looks off they're playing Udonis Haslam actual minutes. <laughs> You know what yeah, I mean? Like, I, I don't really know what else to say. I'm going to steal this one from Josh because I think the Heat, I've only watched less than half a game for them. Um, but I did see their highlights, kind of looked at the box score, and they just don't have enough scoring. 
and they've relied on these G League players or players, undrafted players to big make big contributions. And in the past they have. And um, but now they're running into situations where the talent can only get them so far. And uh, the players that they are paying the big bucks to uh, the Bams, the Kyle Lowry, uh, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, you're not getting that consistent offensive performance from them. Um, and in Lowry's case, and even Jimmy Butler, you're just, they're just not on the court enough consistently. Um, so I, I think when you look at this roster, just based off of players, um, they're, they don't have enough, they don't have five players that would start on most NBA rosters, like five players. Um, and obviously even if you go a little deeper than that, like, Kyle Lowry, I don't think is a would start on most NBA rosters given his current shape. Um, Jimmy Butler is really the only one, and Bam, those are the only two guaranteed starters on an average NBA team. The rest are players that you would expect to come off the bench, streaky, inconsistent performers. And like, where's Duncan Robinson after he just took the money and ran? Um, and uh, and then there's players, obviously, like they have Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent. Um, but I, I just don't think you can expect that much from those players consistently night in and night out. I think the most worrisome thing is they've had their starting five. I mean, besides Martin, who got suspended for that one game, and they've gotten off to a, what are they, two and five right now? Yeah, the two and five. And they have played a pretty tough schedule so far, I will say. And they have a lot of cupcakes coming up, so in a couple weeks' time, this might be a whole different conversation. But as you mentioned, I've watched a few of their games, and they just don't... There's nothing about them that really stands out as something you can say this is going to work long-term, you know? Like on offense, I believe they're 24th, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the 24th in offense. And yeah, I mean... Yeah, in terms of like efficiency, they're 24th or 26th, whatever it is. And offensively, they are, sorry, defensively, they're 19th. And that's something they've been reliable with the last, I mean, post-Whiteside years, you know? Like after Whiteside left and they had a real defensive identity, um, they've been top 10 for the last five years or so. And they just haven't gotten off to a good start there either. And I think the biggest problem, again, is like they just don't have a power forward. And the G League guys are not really stepping up so far. So maybe once Oladipo comes back, and Yurtsevin comes back, maybe that changes a little bit, but I don't know. I just don't see it with them this year. And when the injuries come, I just don't think they have the requisite depth to uh, hide that. I mean, that's what we thought last year, too, before Max Struess and Gabe Vincent came out of nowhere, right? No, but they had P.J. Tucker, at least, and he was a reliable guy for them. True. And Markeith Morris. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, I, I think he's they- something. Yeah, I think they just need, like, another, like, especially with Kyle Lowry just not playing enough good basketball um, and just not enough minutes, and now Tyler Hero getting paid. Um, like, they just don't have enough players that can facilitate an offense, kind of get other players in positions to score, and uh, Bam hasn't taken that step offensively that I think a lot of people were anticipating. Yeah, I think he's been the biggest story for them so far in a bad way because a lot of people expected him to step up and, you know, average 18 field goal attempts a game. They're talking about that in the preseason. 
And so far, he's still been tentative bam. Like, that's been his biggest problem in the playoffs. He's just not aggressive enough and not a guy you can truly go to when it matters. And uh, he needs to be the guy. Sort of like you look at the Lakers once they actually get some shooting. Like, Anthony Davis needs to be the guy going forward Um, because LeBron can't do this forever. Same type of idea with Miami. Like, Jimmy Butler's always injured. So Bam needs to be more of an offensive fulcrum. And so far, he's proven not to be that guy. How the hell did you bring up the Lakers to this? Oh my God. <laughs> I just think their, their oh, situation is sort of similar. Miami has a lot more talent, obviously, but in terms of the offense, I think that the main guy going forward for the longevity of the team, especially, like you want to keep the miles off of Jimmy Butler. You want to keep the miles off of LeBron James. So in the regular season, especially, I think they have to go to their big guys more often to uh, start the offense, especially if Lowry's not going to be able to find any pick and rolls. I think Bam needs to be that guy at the high post and even in the low post when he gets mismatches. And he needs to be averaging 22 points a game now. Like, there's no excuse for him now. Yeah. He's averaging 17. Not good enough. Yeah. Also, just because it's been brought up, I I think an interesting pickup would never happen. But if the Lakers got their hands on Kyle Lowry, I think that could help their offense quite a bit. Um, But not going to happen. Yeah, well, you imagine Westbrook on Miami, they'd have zero shooting. <laughs> well, yeah. no, they have Duncan Robinson on um, the bench. Get- yeah, <laughs> yeah, four point shots. There you go. Tyler Hero is like would be their only consistent shooter. No, they're Max Struess. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, true. I guess Kyle Lowry would automatically be the Lakers' best shooter by far, <laughs> exactly. But he would run the offense and. Um, defensively, he's pretty solid. Would take all of Pat Bev's minutes, which is a good thing. Eh, I don't know about that, yeah. but he's kind of old and washed up, man. He can't move his feet anymore. He doesn't draw charges like he used to. Yeah. Still foul hunts like def- he did in Toronto, but it doesn't draw charges the same way. It's a tad slow, man. He's a tad slow now. How old yeah, is he now? Like 34, 35? 35? 36? Somewhere in mid-30s, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 35, at that point, 36. At that point, with He's that 36. many miles, thirty six, that many miles on you as a point guard running the show, whew, it's inevitable that you you gotta run out of juice at some point. Kind of like good old Chris Paul, except uh, you know he doesn't have Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton to support him. This is true. That's a, a damn shame, Kyle Lowry. It's a damn damn shame. Uh. Okay, do we really need to talk about the reigning champion Golden State Warriors after uh, Barkley said that, you know, that Draymond's a little bit slower, that Clay's a little bit off his game, and then, you know, they, they lost to Detroit and then to, and to Charlotte over the weekend. Is that something we need to address, or can we just be like, uh, Golden State just warming up like they did in the past few years, that they'll be fine with this core? Can we just hit this quickly? Is this something we really need to be worried about, Raj? I just think they're uh, like long term. Should they be worried about it? Maybe. I think they just need a little better play from their front court uh, offensively in terms of just scoring because they're so guard heavy. All their offense is coming from their guards, uh, and the front court needs to score just a bit more. They're not going to ever be the dominant scoring threat, and they just need to rebound the ball better. I think they're like twenty fifth in the league in rebounding, um, and. Uh, if you're shooting that many shots and you're not rebounding the ball, not creating second chances, um, not cleaning up the ga- uh, glass on the defensive end, uh, you're going to have some tough losses. 
They're not taking the regular season seriously so far. They gave up 25 points to Isaiah Stewart. What are we talking about? They're they're fine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yo, come on, man. Show Beef Stew some respect. That guy sucks. Anyways. You should try to pick a fight with LeBron last year, man. Show him some respect. <sighs> that that part I did a fight like. with the king. I, I did enjoy that for sure. But uh, the only thing I'm watching with Golden State this year is if any of the young guys truly pop in their rotation if Steve Kerr actually trusts any of them by the end of the season. Because so I think the guy that he trusts the most is Moses it? Moody. Like Moses Moody, I almost pulled a Kendrick Perkins right there. Um, Moody Moses. <laughs> Moody Moses. Moody Moody. He's been a guy that has been closing games for them in the last couple of games. And, uh, you know, with Draymond at center, one of those other guys um, needs to come in the lineup. And so far it's been him, and I can see why. Like he actually plays pretty good defense. He's a 3 and D guy. And, you know, Kaminga hasn't done anything so far this year. Wiseman's look good in, in spurts, but uh, I don't think he's going to play a lot in the playoffs just based on his defense. Uh, teams are just going to go after him. Uh, Steve Kerr teaching James Wiseman while they're in the middle of a regular season game is hilarious to me. Like, teaching him how to rotate or, like, where to go and shit like that is just hilarious. I yeah, mean, you do I mean, what you got to do as a coach, but damn, you know? He's a guy too, like if he was on a different team and was allowed to do the stuff that he was good at, uh, I mean, it's good for him to actually learn like good fundamentals, obviously, and like play within a team concept on a championship team right now. But I don't think he's ever going to get the the minutes and the shine that he should. So maybe it's going to take a few years for him to actually get on another team or for these older veteran guys to eventually... um, you know, run out their their careers with Golden State. Like, you know, Curry's getting older, Thompson's getting older, Green's getting older. So he would, maybe by year five he'll be one of the key guys. He would have he would have like the exact same trajectory as like Mitchell Robinson does with the Knicks right now. If he went to like that type of organization. No, so I, I think player, he's a man. lot more talented than Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, he's a bit more mobile. He's got skills, man. Like he would actually be like a I mean, on a bad team, he'd be like a 20-point-per-game guy, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. he wouldn't. I think he would. No, man. He's good, but he's not that good. I, I not think yet. One, I think another thing, too, which is uh, pretty important to, to know is they trust Kevon Looney a lot in terms of in the playoffs, known winner, kind of accepts his role. Um, he's plays well off the ball, knows how to play with Steph. And, um, right now the Warriors are in win now mode. They're not in developmental mode. They're trying to win as much with Steph and clay. So, uh, I, I could see if, if the Warriors are struggling, if there is an injury, they could use one of their young players. They are slowly integrating them. Um, Kaminga Wiseman as a trade piece. Because um, they want to win in the next three years. They don't want to win in five years. And uh, I think, honestly, Wiseman would be like an excellent player on a team like Charlotte. Like that's where he needs to go, where he's going to have a chance to actually play big minutes. No one's in front of him. He'll grow with LaMelo, hopefully develop a partnership, and he might be the number two option there. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you said, but the thing is, like, if they're not going to be trading any of these guys, I think they are in developmental mode because they're going to need some of these guys to pop in the playoffs in key moments because they don't have anybody else right now. No, but I meant they could trade one of them for a piece that could help them immediately. If they're not using Kaminga, if they're not getting enough minutes from Wiseman, if uh, 
let's say Wiggins or Draymond ends up getting injured, traded, right? Um, I think that could be a piece they use because they, they do have promise. Like Kaminga as well, like he hasn't played much with the system. Uh, I think there's a bit of a trust issue with Steve Kerr and they want to win now. They're not looking to win in uh, a couple of years. Yeah, get uh, let's get Mason Plumlee to the Golden State Warriors. Get that shot of the trade going. Yeesh. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, but Mason Plumlee can do what David Lee used to do. He can pass. He can uh, take ugly mid-range jumpers, you know. He can take left-handed free throws, too. <laughs> Ugh, yeah, the Warriors uh, really got to get... some. Somebody's got to step up here. Jordan Poole can't be carrying the load. He's not really carrying the load. He has a couple <laughs> highlights, and that's about it. Um, do we want to talk about the Nuggets being uh, a worried team? Because I'm not worried about them. Jamal Murray and, and Michael Porter Jr. still getting their legs under them, and... It's a lot of new guys to build chemistry with Jokic, so unless you guys have something to say here, I'm pretty comfortable with the Nuggets with where they stand right now. Losing to Utah is just a, you know, it happens. And the Lakers. LA hangover, man. They never, I told you, I told you, Josh, in our group chat, do not bet on the Denver Nuggets in LA. That's why. LA hangover, man, they gets to you. Yeah, you were right about that. But yeah, from what I've seen, like they just need to get, um, like you talk about the Clippers, right? They just need continuity. They need to play together again and develop the chemistry because their their starting five is obviously really, really good as long as they continue to play together and Jamal Murray gets back. And I think that he's been, I mean, a lot of people thought that Porter Jr. would take a lot more time to get back to where he used to be, but he looks really good so far, uh, which is Murray needs to, you know, get back to where he was pre-injury. And that's going to take like at least probably half a season. Yeah, I think the interesting thing with the Nuggets is they're almost more of a, a playoff team than they are a regular season team, which is kind of the opposite of what they were in the past couple of seasons, maybe three, four years ago. Uh, I think this team can play more in a half-court offense. They're not running and gunning as a lot of teams do nowadays in the regular season, but uh, when you have Jokic, you have a prime playmaker, um, and then obviously Murray as well. Um, they can really run a pretty lethal two-man game. Um, Murray will take time to adjust. I, I still question a bit of their depth off the bench. They have good players. I think they need a, another facilitator. I think missing Monty Morris is a, a player that they really haven't replaced yet. Because um, after... Murray, who's kind of running the backup point guard position? Bones. Ish Smith? Bones. Bones? Okay. Bones runs the show. He's not very good at it yet, but he runs the show. But he's not a playmaker. That's the key. Like, he's more of an ISO scorer, and uh, that's not his role. And I think if they get Ish Smith more integrated, and if he can do that role, then I expect (laughs) them to make a... Yeah. No. Uh, No. Yeah, I think like Denver's a trade away from like being a true, true contender because that is the weak point. Like we've we talked about in the past too. Like they just need another guy off the bench that is consistent and can play twenty five minutes and can fill in if Murray's hurt or not playing well. Same with KCP. And ultimately, I think that a trade they need to look at is a guy like Jordan Clarkson. Right? You trade a guy like Bones Highland who has potential, but is he ever going to be a starter in the league? Probably not. Could he eventually be Jordan Clarkson? Maybe, sure. 
but you're trying to win right now. So I think a trade like that where, you know, Utah gets a good young piece back and then Denver gets another guy that's reliable off the bench that can give them points um, in a hurry, especially. I think that's a trade they need to look at. Jordan Clarkson. Yeah. I think they'll make I can't a lot wrap of my head just, around that. I can't. I can't. He's do a. It. But like again, I think Jordan Clarkson and Bones Highland they give you the kind of not the same level, but they give you the same thing, like in terms of attribute. Yeah. Yeah, but Clarkson does it way better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think they need a playmaker on top of Bones or Jordan Clarkson, whoever. I I think you just need someone else when Murray's sitting. Let's say he's in foul trouble, not playing well. Let's say Jokic needs to take a rest. And you want maybe Murray to play a little off the ball or whatnot. I, I think you just need another point. Like, you need a Monty Morris. Like, if they had kept him, I think this team would be in a better position going into a long regular season when you have a few players coming back from injury and hopefully a deep playoff run. Like, they don't need the guy to play, like, 35 minutes. They need someone just to hold the fort for, like, 15 minutes a game, still give you good output, and put the ball in other players' hands. Ah, uh, they'll get there, man. I, I have high hopes. Bones is nice, man. Bones is going to develop a lot. Yeah, but is he ready for the big time? I don't know. I think he is. Maybe in a year, I think he'll be ready. I don't think they're bound to win this year anyways. They should be. I never thought that they would win this year. They're not going to win the first year that Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray come back. It's just not going to happen. It's not logical for this team to have just faith, suddenly Peter. have like the best continuity. It doesn't make have any faith, sense. Peter. <laughs> I have faith for next year, not this year. Oh, okay. All right, all right. This year, it'll be like a second, maybe third round, and then uh, it'll be a good fight, but that's it. They made it to the Western Conference Finals before, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, and they have the same core, so I mean, if they play enough together in the regular season, I don't see why not. And they're young enough. The key is like, the they're all young enough, and they're on similar enough to like timelines that they should mesh together. That's all I'm saying. Josh, you got any stats corner? Yes, I do. Uh, so, so far this season, can you name the players that ISO on the highest percentage of their possessions so far? So, which like players on ISO possessions? on their possessions? So, which players have the highest amount of ISOs on their possessions so far? Harden? Harden's a logical number one choice. 34% of his possessions end up in an ISO. Uh, long shot, but Jordan Clarkson? Clarkson is not in the top 10. Damn. Wow. <laughs> Damn. Long shot, man, like I said. All right, long shot. Yeah, that's a good guess. Um, second player. Oof. I almost want to say Russ Westbrook because he just taking bad shots. No, he's playing a different role this year. He's more off the ball. One of them is super obvious. DeMar? Uh, no. Oh. Oh, I thought that was obvious. KD? Nope. KD is more off the ball, too. No, you're describing a lot of guys that run a lot of pick and rolls here. Oh, my goodness. A pure ISO, like, player? One of those is a surprise. The other one's... I mean, there's two probably surprises, but the other ones are pretty obvious. ISO scores. Like, I, I know a few ISO scores. I'm just, it's hard to wrap my head around how many times they touch the ball. Dame? That's like, 
Nope. Again, Jesus. pick and roll guy. Yeah, and, and he, the thing is, you're, we're looking at a player that gets the ball and as soon as he gets it, just dominates, like doesn't pass, um, and gets the ball not a lot and scores a decent amount. Um, Luca. Luca? Thank you. Oh, my Luca. God. Yeah, yeah. 26% of his uh, possessions go to ISOs. Okay, and then there's one more. One more that's a bit of a, a uh, bit less obvious. Can't be Giannis. I don't think Giannis ISOs that no. much. No, there's uh, two guards left in the top five, and there's one uh, point forward, I guess you could say. Damn, Draymond Green is uh, ISOing that much when he plays? <laughs> <laughs> Lol. No, dude doesn't shoot enough, man. <laughs> um, okay, two more guards. Oof. So one of these guards is actually on a team from a guy that you've already mentioned. Team Tyler Hero? No, I mean mentioned in this conversation. Zach Levine. No, I mean one of the guys in the top five list, sorry. <laughs> God damn it, Josh. Uh, who have we mentioned so far? I said DeRozan, that was wrong. No, Luka guys that are no in the top mates. five that you've mentioned. So one oh, wow. of the top five guys that we said has a teammate that's also high in this. Correct. So it's that's either Maxi or oh, Embiid. It's Embiid? No, but he's know. not a point. Oh, no, he's, he's not a point, point forward. forward. And he gets a lot of doubles, so the ball's coming out of his hand. Nah, um, who else have we said? Luca, Luke. Harden. What was our third one that's that we it. had? No, we just had two. Just had two. So it's Lucas. You guys are struggling so far. Yeah. Jesus. We're still shooting better than Russ Westbrook, though. That is true. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, how about? It's not Tim Hardaway Jr., is it? No. But it's someone on that. Oh, Christian Wood. No. Point forward, no. Christian Wood. Spencer Dinwiddie. Thank you. Dinwiddie's number three, 26%. Same as Luca. Oh, wow. I wonder where he gets okay. it from. Okay, and then have you have a, a, a tanking team who has gotten off to a surprisingly good start. Okay. SGA. There you go. 25%. And oh. lastly, one of the teams that we brought up earlier in the podcast who has a lot of forwards on a team that is very ISO heavy. Oh, Pascal? Incorrect. Oh. Great idea, though. Yeah. A lot of forwards. From Toronto? No way. It is from Toronto. Huh. Let's see. It's not OG. It is not. Oh, it's Gary Trent. Incorrect. Oh, Scotty? Oh, my God. You're pointing forward to Scotty? 24. Oh, my God. Wow. He needs to distribute the ball if he's really going to become that point forward. It just sounds like he's a forward right now. Yeah, what is this? Talk to your so, boy, Josh. Quickly, we'll go through the top five. Can you guess their points per possession? So, James Harden. And keep in mind, points per possession on these types of uh, you know plays, especially isolation, I would say it's around one point per possession. Uh, it's around 1.1 if you're good at it. And we're so, counting free throws or no? It's point per possession, so yeah. How many so points do you generate per possession? Harden's probably a 1.2. Harden is actually 1.41, so he's doing a lot better 
than he was last year. Wow. That's for sure. Wow. He's quite high. I was surprised by that stat too. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Who's next? Luca? Luca. 1.3. I think I'd say like 1.1. 1. 1. 0.98, despite oh, averaging wow. 36 wow. points per game. I got, my wow. man's a chucker. Holy. Nah, he's about average. <laughs> yeah, surprising. Imagine he gets that up. He's going to average like 50. Oh, my God. Wilt Chamberlain out here. Yeah. And then uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Oh, boy, 0. 0.8. 0.9. Surprisingly, he's number two in this top five in terms of points per possession. 1.13, well, 1. pretty good. Oh, wow. Okay. SGA? 1.1, 1. 1. just one. Yeah, I'll go with like 0. 0.95. 1.03, so pretty much average-ish. And then uh, lastly, Scotty Barnes, lowest on the list so far, unfortunately. Oh, man, 0. 0.9. Yeah, 0. 0.93. 0. 0.75. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. And the podcast wraps <laughs> to the, the play-in right now. Doesn't pass the ball and getting 0. 0.75 points per ISO possession. He played well Ooh, tonight, oh. though, I will say. Yeah, Whatever, man. Bump up that average. It's the Hawks. That's the same. It's the Hawks, man. That's rough. That is rough, Scotty. Okay, what a what a sour note to end on, Josh. That's sad. Ruin my night. Come on, man. Ruin my night. I gotta show that I'm not a homer. All right, all right. Who are you trying to fool here? Come on. <laughs> all right, well, on that note, I want to thank everyone for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify and leave us those positive comments. Leave us those five-star reviews. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Hoops Corner Pod. And until next time, peace.